Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of Coffee and Conversations, where we look at the intersection between relationships, faith, and leadership. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Clark. And I'm Christian Harden. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conversations, uh, where we look at the intersection of relationships, faith, and leadership, as we said, which today, it's going to be a little bit different. We aren't uh, interviewing anyone in studio today, No Christian. guest. No, no guest. You are my guest. I am mm. yours. That's right. Um, and we just want to talk through some of the difficult topics of this year. Uh, as we were talking just beforehand, obviously, we are no experts no, um, when it comes to the pandemic. Dr. Dr. Fauci was not actually calling me on a regular basis to see what my thoughts were. Uh, the CDC never reached out to me. Um, I don't have credentials in any of those areas when he, it comes to he medical. Was, yeah, he was calling other people in the South. Maybe. I don't, yeah, there those experts Atlanta. that we may know. Yeah, yes. that we know <laughs> in our neighborhoods. So we, um, you know, I just, I just think, though, in a look back, to 2020, you know, I started this year as a pastor preaching a, a series called 2020 Vision, and I think now we're, you know, we're <clears throat> rounding the corner, and it's like 2020 hindsight. It's everybody's looking back, and what have I learned? How have I grown? And I think one of the biggest areas has been around three of the things that we're going to talk about today. You know, the pandemic mm-hmm. with COVID. Uh, race relations and issues in our nation um, that have heightened like never before Um, in the past decade. I've not seen it like this. And then, of course, politics and the the divisiveness of our nation. And so, again, no experts on air today, but we just think that we have listened to other people well and have processed, you know, from where we've started to where we are now and are continuing to grow. And that's exactly what we want to talk about. We want to talk about grace to grow, mm-hmm. uh, giving you grace, giving me grace, uh, allowing ourselves to continue to process. Because I remember when we were taking a, a group of youth on a Thursday night to a movie and the world was sliding off its axis. This was like the last thing that anybody was ever going to do. We didn't know that. No idea. We didn't know how serious it was. We just knew hockey was being canceled. The The March Madness was, was literally going gone. mad. It was gone. Yeah. Everything. NBA took a pause. All our college students were like, I'm going on Frantically, spring break, and yeah. now my trip's canceled for spring break. Yeah. Thinking they may come back, or then, you know, <laughs> high school students not having to finish ACT or oh, any of those man. finals. It's like, you graduated, you're admitted. A senior year. Just filled the FAFSA. But yeah. your brother was a senior. Yeah, he was a senior. No prom, no really anything. They had graduation in June, July, something like that. It was pretty hot. <laughs> It was. By the end of that. And it was like four family members. Yeah, that was it. 25 feet apart. On the football field. That was cool. On a football field. Which was cool. Yeah, it was different. So people improvised. Yeah. But at the beginning of it, I remember you were headed on a trip for for that spring break. Yep. And Katie and I are like watching all this news. and, and, and And the media plays such a huge part. It does. In everyone's perception. Um 
you know, who knows what's true, who knows what is being spun, everything, who knows, you know, what I can really believe. Yeah. It's it's tough. And so my wife and I were watching that and we're like, I can't believe Christian's still going on this trip. They're still, they're going to be around people. We can't talk to him when he gets back. We got to <laughs> self-isolate. Self-isolate. You know, it was, and, it, and it was, it was tough to like tell what, you know, what was, what was wise, what is, um, what is respectful. You know, even if I don't, you know, believe in something, how do I still honor others that do? And, and, and I was trying, we were trying to do this as believers, as Christians who had to cancel a service right away, not sure what was happening, deciding, okay, we're going virtual. Um, We got to stay connected to our people at the church. Right. Got to stay connected to um, the the kids and their families here at Kiko the best that we can. And so we're texting every week. We're we're reaching out, but it was like day to day. Everything was changing. Everything was changing. Everything. And and that trip you're referring to, we were gonna go to D.C., which was like <laughs> shut down, shut hiatus. down, hiatus. Like every everyone's leaving. Everyone's mm-hmm. leaving. Unless you're a politician, then that finally we drained the swamp. <clears throat> Yeah, finally. COVID drained the swamp. Drained the swamp. Of all the people that were there. <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know. We had we had a nurse with us. We, you know, that is crazy. We were talking last night because I had some friends over um, for a little distance fire. But um, we, <laughs> we, we were like, gosh, do you remember back in March when we went to Asheville, North Carolina? Yeah, yeah. And the last restaurant that we ate at in a normal place was Biscuitville. And then the, literally the next day, everything was takeout. Yep, and like no cases in Asheville. Um, not that that's at the any time. excuse at, at the, the time. time yeah. No, at the time, and it was just like I mean, they were definitely being precautious versus Knoxville, who ran it, and then they closed down all of a sudden everything. I don't even think businesses were doing takeout because they mm. didn't feel like they had a, like a we're not going to make money from this. Um, people aren't used to takeout, but all that to say, yeah, it was definitely a different mindset then of like. Is this real? Is it going to get to the south? It's just in major cities right now. What, yeah. Like, what do we, Urban how do we process? Areas. Yeah. Watching New York. Watching New York, L.A., those places. Washington State, even. Yeah. yeah those were getting hit hard hit. that were yeah. big travel hubs. Um, but for Knoxville, for Asheville, like, yeah, it'll get here. But not. it's not here yet. So better go to yeah. Asheville. I don't know. No one got it. We didn't get it. Um, we didn't spread it because... No one really had it down here yet, but that definitely, as we talk, that that mindset that I'm like portraying right now definitely changes. Yeah, because um, times change. But yeah, so I mean, that was that was all March, and then we could go to April and like look at what does April look like? What mm. what happens all in April? Because from what March like third, no, like tenth, from March tenth on, like every week there is something new changing. Yeah, there was, and. You still at home with a pregnant wife. I wasn't then. Uh, yeah, you didn't know it, uh. right? But that even changed a little bit on, you know, how protective you become of those of, of your own exposure, what you're bringing mm-hmm. home. Maybe even more protective of her than she was being of herself yeah. once you found out. And um, just because there are so many unknowns of how it impacts different people and, mm-hmm. you know, the vulnerable population, those that are pregnant and, you know, different things kind of got categorized differently. And I think the big thing is, is we're not trying to say what was right, what was real, what was not, um, but the grace to give each other to process. Yeah. 
um, because everyone had very strong views on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. This is a hoax. This is propaganda. This is this was fabricated in China. This is a you know an attack. This is against Trump. Whatever <laughs> you know, yeah. there were so yeah. many things, and there's like that's like the sh- that's barely even touching the, the list. Yeah. But regardless of where people fail, how do we respect one another as humans? as God's creation, because that's what I believe Mm -hmm. you are, and those that have views that are different than mine, even really, really, really different than mine, are still created in the image of God. Yeah. So how do I respect them, and how do I honor them, and how, oh wait, hold on, and even have a relationship with them. Oh man, that's hard. That's hard. You're saying you can have a relationship with someone who thinks differently than you? Oh man. In America? So, yeah, in America, right? That's... That's the problem. Is around the world, there that seems to be a more of a possibility. And so, when we were sliding through that, you know, pivoting for our work, people were working from home. Uh, people are still working from home. People began to worship from home. Some are still worshiping from home. Just all these things that begin to pivot and change. Um, and so I, I guess what I begin to learn from that is, you know what, I need to I need to digest the information the best that I know how. I need to I need to vet the sources that I am taking in um, and and make sure that they're you know that they're credible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really hard today. That's really hard, even when it is coming from medical professionals in this type of field right. to say, well, well, man, they probably still have an agenda or they're being paid by the such and such a party or, you know, right. We have no idea. Who knows? So regardless of what may or may not be true, how do I treat other people? Because that's what it boils down to, because yeah. what kind of person do I want to become and what kind of person do I want to model for my kids? Mm-hmm. And that became the big thing for me as we went through COVID and into the race, the race conversations. Yeah. Um, as we recognized some things that have been happening during these same series of months, February, a, a, a situation would occur that we wouldn't hear about till for months later. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we got, we have George Floyd and his murder mm-hmm. in the streets of Minneapolis and, and all these things that then bring more and more awareness to um, some issues because of, you know, honestly, video recordings yeah. um, in a park in Central Park there in, in, in New York. And, and all these things are, are just happening simultaneously. Who knows if... Serrano, or someone else is behind. Who knows if Black Lives Matter and the Democratic Party, which people want to tell you, is all behind the agenda of how it rolled out and when it became, you know, it came to light. And who knows? But I know where we work that there were a lot of black and brown folks that are that were just hurting and struggling. Yeah. Tired of seeing the same narrative um, happening in our nation and it being discounted and it being politicized and it being written off in different ways. When I knew there wasn't equality educationally, economically, um, you know, in so many ways, yeah. and that there were systems, and I'm not going to say systemic racism, but there were still systems that seemed to inhibit certain races, such as welfare, such as um, you know our housing developments, and and the way that they they there's this mid, there's this middle ground, this gap between those that are trying to get on their feet and then the working poor who get penalized yeah. for starting to work, everything begins to cost more. And so we're just like, I begin to see, I, we've seen that for years, but there was no grace for people who thought or looked at it differently. 
because everyone had their facts, everyone had their views, everyone had their political leanings. Yeah. When it, to me, it, it has to do with how am I going to respect and honor? Because I can even sit and listen to someone, especially when they're hurting. Here, here's the deal. If I, if I roll up on an accident and there is someone who is traumatized, they've just lost a loved one, they are sitting there, it is not the time for me to point out who was right or wrong in the accident. Mm-hmm. It's not the time for me to say, well, actually, you didn't put on your blinker, and when you came over, that's why, you know, that's not the time for that. Right. They're, they're hurting. It's the time for me to sit there with them. It's the time for me to put my arm around them. It's the time to actually, for me to mourn with them to cry with them because they've lost something yeah. that they, they can never get back. And so I think a lot of this happened and people were like, oh, no, 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 you can't, you can't sit and listen and try to have understanding when the narrative's just false to begin with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they're hurting. Yeah. And some are brothers and sisters. All are made in the image of God. So how did you begin to process from going from the, you know, COVID, which I think brought people together, even in its divisiveness, in the sense that we were all experiencing the same thing. We were all on shutdown. Yeah. To what I think led to one of the biggest sparks I've seen in my life, lifetime for social justice. It was worldwide. It was worldwide. It was insane. Um, I mean, I remember sitting in my living room on my couch and it when it all kind of like came to light and you you know you just start making it was it it was more about the riots people cared more about the riots than they did about the actual like injustice and so that's when it started driving me insane that i see all these things all these posts about you're you're destroying your own city you're tearing it down you're burning it what's the point of this no one's gonna care like protest peacefully you know First of all, I don't know how you tell a people group that's been oppressed for so long how to how and when to protest. It's like that meme of like the white dude holding a book, and it's like how, when, and where for black people to protest, written by Average Joe. Anyway, yeah. but it's just like I, you know, I have no, I've never felt that way. I've never been so even more back um, to how I got to that point of like I've never been this way. Like I've never felt that white privilege is real. This is what I feel. Um, 2018, I went down to New Orleans and uh, we stayed in Holly Grove and we were able to do some, you know, they called it service projects, but it was more about, I think, and I was going in blind because I didn't know, but it was more like experience projects. And not even the word project, just experiences. We went and we hung out at um, like a, an old folks home and played bingo and... Um, and then we had classes, and it wasn't really classes, but it was more just like kind of like <clears throat> the lady that was running it um, kind of just presented information about the history of Holly Grove and how it was like the deep south um, slave trade area where all a lot of slaves came in and how, you know, what divides Holly Grove is that um, strip of like basically waterway that pushes it out to the gulf water out to the gulf and you're looking at across the way from Hollygrove into this rich area but you can barely see it because there's this mound of dirt or big hill that just covers it so you can see the tops of houses and how nice the trees are and everything is well maintained 
the side you're standing on, though, is like there's puddles and the ground and the road's breaking and you look at the pipes and they're this big on Hollygrove's side and you look at the other side and it's it's huge. Uh, so water drains out more. And basically what she was getting at when she was showing us is like in Katrina, Hollygrove got blasted and destroyed because it couldn't pump water out. But everywhere else was fine in a way because it was able to get water out or the water levels didn't get high enough and so they were well prepared. But our city government for years and years and years and years after, even cries they they don't do anything for Holly Grove, you know. They have to constantly put do insurance claims, or they just don't have insurance, and so they have to the, they have to buy it. They can't get jobs because of their names in the city, you know, just because they sound African American. She kept presenting all this information, and we're talking to people, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm a welfare, but I've tried to get jobs in so many places. I just can't ever get called backs." Um, and we hang out with kids that are, are growing up in that. And and so it was kind of just this eye-opening of, like, that was, like, to me, the first time that, it, like, that glot, like, you know, it was a fog. The fog got wiped away of, like, man, rich white neighborhood gets all those amenities. Historically poor black neighborhood really doesn't, like, the city doesn't do anything to fight for it. And that's why when it rains, it's always flooding there. Just a simple rain. It's flood and destroying houses. <clears throat> And so coming back with that, that was 2018, you know, nothing really hit between 2016 and 2020, nothing that was recorded really like became public information as far as like police brutality or any of the crazy injustice of like a lady approaching a dude in a in Central Park, you know, nothing was being recorded. So I'm sure stuff was happening, but it wasn't when George Floyd died and it was on that body cam, you know, everything went crazy. So that's how we get here of like on my couch and I'm feeling with you angry or angry that people that we know and we love aren't at the, the same avenue, the same even street. They're on this other street and they're like just talking about the riots and not really about the injustice that's going on. And I don't think we handled it well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't think we handled it. I say all that because, you know, it was all that prep of like. I, I'm aware, I know, but nothing's really happening to like, yeah. if I just like talk about it, people are like, what is this clown talking about? You know, you almost had to wait for some, like a mass, like not following, but a mass, like everyone's uniting about George Floyd and then Breonna Taylor and then uh, Ahmaud Aubrey and all these things going on. Those were kind of the big three um, yeah. that really caught a lot of attention and fire in the US. Um, Breonna's still the case. Still. Um, but people in our church, people in our family that we knew, they yep. just, all they, it was just about the riots. It was about people burning their city down and, or what they had experienced that was unjust or, right. you know, how it wasn't racism because they too, or they had experienced racism, reverse racism, so to speak. It's all racism. Um, yeah. And so I think what was hard, yeah, I, I didn't handle it well either. I was upset. I... I got very emotional. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the riots into the night as people were, were just posting them live in some of these big cities. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm thankful that that didn't happen in my city. And I hurt for the business owners whose businesses were destroyed, who, you know, were from that community. Yeah. And and I watched that, and I was upset with folks that didn't get why people would act out. Mm-hmm. 
that a kid who has gone through trauma comes into my home through foster care because we're a foster home, why that kid may act out. And, and we've always been taught that I can address the behavior, but there is a need behind the behavior that is causing this, this response. Yeah. And that's exactly what was happening nationwide was I, we can address the behavior, but the problem is, is there is something that is not being addressed that's behind that behavior yeah. when we do that. And it's trauma. It's called trauma. Yeah. And it's decades and generations. And yes, maybe a president did do this and, and then a civil rights movement led to some of this. But but the narratives, <clears throat> the story's not over as far as equality. Yeah. And it has to do with Indians on reservations, and it has to do with immigrants who have come to this nation, and it has to do with African Americans who have lived here and not, you know, been given the same opportunity. It has to do with the way wealth has been passed on. It's ha- it has to do with so many years of things that I wasn't responsible for, and things that I can't necessarily go back and change that happened two hundred plus years ago mm-hmm. that set the systems in place that benefited people that looked like me, right. both male and white, but. Today, I can do something about my time that I walk this earth yeah. and how I use my voice and mostly my ears first. Yeah. So I began to listen a lot, and that's where I got frustrated. I began to listen to people that I knew and loved, both in my city and around the, the nation, who were hurting and were tired. Pastors who were even saying, what I don't want is for you to call through your tears, repenting and in a prayer of reconciliation. I need change. Yeah. I need action that will lead to change so that as a pastor saying, I've got two African-American boys that are going to be walking these streets that I don't need them to be judged because of the color of their skin and they're wearing a hoodie and whatever it may be. And it leads to something that is tragic. Yeah, I need that to change. And I agreed. Yeah. I agreed. And I, you know, still continue to process. And I love how even some of my um, the my, my black friends, my black pastors and, and, and other people I was talking to were saying, Michael, I wasn't at a good place either. <laughs> I was so emotional. And even when we were getting, for my pastor friends, getting in the pulpit, I needed the prayers of the people because I needed to stay in the spirit and not get in the flesh. Yeah. And as a white pastor, it was the same for me. I tried to open up the dialogue, even scripturally and even culturally apply it, but I needed to stay in the spirit and not get over into the flesh. And everyone has different viewpoints of where that line was. Um, but I think what we, I think what I took away from it was when I responded to my brother, when I responded to even people in my church, and I was so emotional that I was no longer building bridges. Mm-hmm. But I was tearing down and throwing up walls. I was tearing down their viewpoint. I was tearing them down because they couldn't see what I thought they should see. And I was throwing up more walls. I was creating another form of segregation um, in the name of collective unity yeah. and righting wrongs. And I've got some other friends that um, even in our city here that I'll just be honest, like they're they're white and um, they're so woke, so to speak, yeah. that they can't build bridges, that they literally, everything that they post or everything they share, I feel like just has to be um, more salt on the wound or more, you know, just prods and pokes and is irritating to people. And I don't know that it leads to the outcomes that they want. Yeah. 
because I experienced that on the front end. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not leading to what I want because what I want is not more disunity. Yeah. It's the street. It's the side of the street pastor yelling at you to convert. And I'm not going to because you're yelling at me. Right. I'm never going to hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think, and I think it's strategic and I understand that people are like, so, well, you know, how are you going to, you know, what are we going to do? Just lay down and let, you know, let what happens continue to happen. No, 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 no. But we're going to have conversations that are respectful, that maybe we walk away and still don't agree with one another, Mm -hmm. but we continue to build relationships and we invest. The whole thing that we're working towards is people respecting people that look different than them, that think different than them, that have a different cultural background, that maybe politically are different. That's like the big taboo right now. And, you know, and, and, and then we do that to each other, even white people, over this issue. Yeah. And black people over this issue. Yeah. Towards one another that think differently. And, and so what I, I began to hear from other pastors is I may not be able to change all the, the, the issues that are um, systemic, um, that have perpetuated the problem. Um, but what I can do is create an experience for the generation that is coming up behind me that is the ideal that I envision being the kingdom of God on earth. Mm-hmm where we value one another, where, you know, and I don't even like the idea of why I don't see, I don't see color, you know, because I'm in Christ or whatever it may be. But Mm -hmm. I think that discounts the complexity and diversity with which he's made us and so unique. And we don't value all the uniqueness that he has created us with. But instead, for my kids, I want them to know nothing different than having healthy relationships with people that think and look different than themselves, whether it's in church or in the streets or at the supermarket, and also to be aware of the history of our country at the same time. Yep. And so my daughter just a couple of weeks ago was learning about this in her uh, U.S. history class, uh, homeschooled, and as she's learning about how the founding documents set up certain folks to be able to vote, not vote, own land, not own land. She was upset that this wasn't fair and that even my wife, who was teaching her, didn't have some of the rights that were in there, um, though it espoused to equality and the inalienable rights for everyone. And we're like, it's not there. Yeah. And then she moves on in her studies you know, a few days later, and she's in Charleston studying the slave trade. And then being sold, and she's in tears. She's so upset that that happened here, a place that she loves. And so, we don't live in a war, a worn, a war torn country, where my kids have to worry about even going outside to play. And I'm thankful for that. But we live in a place that isn't perfect, and it's by no means a utopia, and nor is it the kingdom of God where heaven has come to earth. Mm-hmm. And we're not the light set on the hill. America is not God's chosen people. We are. We have not replaced Israel. But yet, as a believer in my country, which I'm grateful to be from, I am first a citizen of heaven. And so, the the viewpoint and worldview that I have is first, hopefully, his, and not mine. Yeah. And not because I have a passport from the U.S. of A but because I am a citizen of the creator of the universe. And so what my ideals are that I'm creating for that generation to come behind me hopefully reflect heaven and not my nation. Sure. 
And so I think that that's really important. Um, you're going to be bringing a little one into this world, mm-hmm. you know, in the next six months. And uh, I think it's going to take on a different a different meaning yeah. of what you want them to, how you shape their worldview, what their experiences will be, because that is a lot of the reason that we have ignorance or viewpoints is we are the sum of our relationships and our experiences. Right. And if we don't have them, it's not built up into the sum of who we are. Right. And if we do, then we have more diversity and appreciation and, and you know, it just helps us grow. Yeah. But if you don't start there and I keep pushing people away who don't have those experiences, they will never have those experiences. Right. And that's where I, that's where I want us to talk about the grace to grow. Mm-hmm. So you go to Holly Grove, but before then you had never had an experience where you started to see things you hadn't seen. No. You just hadn't. No. I mean, I grew up, I mean, growing up with, you know, black boys and girls and Kekko, you know, you feel, but that wasn't, there was nothing ever addressed there, but you don't have animosity, like, there's no grown animosity or, you know, I don't ever think anything different of them. Didn't have hatred. Didn't have hatred, but I didn't think. But didn't have empathy. But didn't have empathy. An understanding that, wow, I have privilege. Yeah. I'm living in this house, really nice two-story house with land and yeah. straw planes, and they're stacked on top of each other in the city center. I'd never thought why. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I never really thought why. You'd hear stuff that, you know, they don't want to, they just don't want to work. You know, they just want to suck all of them tax dollars up and blah, blah, blah. You'd hear that from my, my own parents would say stuff like that. Sure. And then at the same time, love them. It was like, why? It's like talk. Two I sides. Ha- I hate people talking behind my back, mm. and I know it happens, but I hate it. And so that's basically what that was. Is like when people make those comments, you're you're just talking behind their back, and that's not mm. cool. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, and then you have the the whole like you have a really like you have a a black friend, and he maybe dress more white. Or he may be yeah, smarter, or he's not very athletic. So you're just you. Oh, you're the you're the white black guy. Stereotypes. Stereotyping. Yeah. And then and but <clears throat> he and I look back and I think he would address like he would make comments to people that would say that and be like, what does that mean? He would actually say something about it. As gentle and kind and empathy empathetic as he was, he wouldn't be harsh about. it. He's like, but what does that what does that mean? I'm not. Is I'm not I'm not black then? Yeah. Because I dress like you and I'm smart like you and I yeah. don't play football. Like what what does that mean? Yeah, we could, I mean I, I would hear things and, and now I think wow how prejudiced it was to call someone an Oreo, you know? Yeah. Black on the outside but white on the inside. And then we had the opposite side where we would call white people that tried to that we would say were acting black. Yeah. We you know, we we would call them like really negative derogatory terms. Yeah. I mean, I've got it going through my mind, but I'm not going to say it. No, don't say it. And, but I know what it is. And I was just like, "What? What does that? What does that mean? That means that means we have prejudice. It doesn't mean that we means have we've we've written in some stereotypes into our language, into our perspectives, into our worldviews. How do we shatter those? How yeah. do we allow people to grow out of those? And I think it's going to have to be through prayer. I think I think we're going to have to allow ourselves, as my dad shared with me, when all this really began with George Floyd and the nation was just really reeling and, and, and writhing in pain and polarizing. And he said, Michael, my verse right now that I am praying is, search me, O God, and know my heart and show me if there is any wickedness in me. So Psalm 139. And so I began to just kind of echo those same prayers from the psalmist was, 
that's it. You know, if my dad, who grew up experiencing from segregation to integration, even in school and, you know, the water fountains, you know, now being for everyone and and the buses no longer having to be segregated and all that. And he is still praying to this day in his 70s, search me, oh God. And if there's anything in my heart, Mm -hmm. change it. Then I'm like, absolutely me too. That's that's where it has to start. And, and Dad would quote the Michael Jackson song. He's like, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. You know? And I'm like, thanks, <laughs> thanks Dad. Thanks, yeah. thanks for going back there. And, and But that's it. I'm starting with the man in the mirror uh, because that's the, one, that's the one that I can take responsibility for and change. And then how I allow the Lord to work in me, mm-hmm. I can then hopefully build bridges to allow the Lord to begin to work in others. Not push them away because I don't see him working yet. Yeah, and then hopefully even then then not hopefully but then I even alienate them from experiencing God working in those ways because people who they maybe had a relationship with or even looked up to or they valued their their opinion or word now they definitely don't yeah because you've you've kept them at arm's length and your pride and your you know I'm I'm so woke you're not you know that kind of response I just don't think it served the purposes that the Lord wants in this hour yeah. And I think we we have to extend grace. Yeah, grace who look at the pandemic differently, grace to others who look at the race issues in our nations differently, and that's really hard. Yeah, um, grace who for people who go to the polls and will even vote differently. And, and and I think right now our nation what it needs more is a real united church who is awakened to serve someone other than ourselves. Yeah. And to understand an experience other than our own so that we can grow. Yeah. That's grace to grow. And I hope we're headed there. Yeah. I'm not so sure I see a lot of it, but I, th- I think the Lord has his people praying and crying out to him for mercy right now. Yeah. I think one of the most dangerous things is, um, especially is Twitter mm. and then Twitter Hive. Uh, you know, when you when you sting one, when you when you swat one bee, you're you about to get into cancel culture. Yeah, Uh-oh. I think that's I think that's where the last segment of like you know, <clears throat> you all throughout this you know cancel culture became so big, um, and our la and this like second from like June on, really it's been big for a while, but I really think it was like just yeah magnified, s- magnified storming. If you weren't part of this, if you're not part of this hive, you're on the outside. Yeah, kind of deal. Christian, non-Christian, Christian, didn't yeah. matter. Yeah, and it's in everywhere. You know, you get pockets of you can you can have a nest anywhere. Yeah, uh, inside of a church. Um, yeah, hives and, towards uh, you know Sean and his worship gatherings, and yeah. hives towards yeah whatever BLM and yeah being able to say those words Black Lives Matter and yeah, yeah. Just yeah. hives on every side. every side and yeah. so people are acting on that and trying to basically shut it down, cancel the voice, mm-hmm. you know, cancel whatever. Cause it, Hive is a unified people group that mostly, you know, of different races that think a certain way and the way they maybe address their problems. And this is on every side, maybe the way they address their things by trying to cancel someone, but maybe it's worth hearing out. Why do you, why do all you feel that way? Please don't like try to yeah. like, shut someone's job down or destroy someone and, you know, defame them. And maybe you have no like, you know, Chris Pratt's been the recent one, Chris Pratt, um, because he went to Hillsong or was a member at Hillsong and he lives in lots of land of in Washington and he has guns. So people automatically assume that he voted for Trump. Mm. And so they tried to basically like they did a <clears throat> who's the best Chris 
in the Marvel Universe, and that's like Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, um, Chris, uh, he played Captain America, I can't remember his name right now, forgive me, and then Chris Pratt, and they were like, oh, well, Chris Pratt's the worst because of all these things, because mm-hmm. he has faith, and he's not your typical Hollywood guy, he like, kind of like moved out and denounced the Hollywood lifestyle, and always having to be for something, Yeah. <clears throat> and wanted just a simple life, you know, and his life's messy, has been messy like anyone's, you know, he went through a divorce, and married someone else, but had kids with now both and and so it's like yeah everyone's messy like just because you're you know you're human have grace yeah don't try to destroy someone because they think differently than your typical you know hollywood star or person that lives in washington but the state of washington um and i'm and then that was hard for us at the beginning of all this is to extend grace and that's kind of been our yeah our our, that's what we're learning i think the lord's teaching is just Extended, you know, you're not you're gonna sit next to people who's not gonna think like you and yeah. not gonna talk like you. And if they're saying wrong things, call them out because Jesus called people out and flipped tables, but yeah. he didn't once try to lock them down and keep them from being something different. Yeah. So I think of of what Christ came to do. He came to cancel sin, not culture. Mm-hmm. He set at wells and built bridges between cultures that had already canceled each other out. Um, he was he was the opposite of a of a of a cultural you know canceler. He was one who was looking to include. Um, he was inviting people to his table, you know, a place of relationship. Yeah, that they were saying were outsiders. I think that's what Jesus is is saying that he would still be doing today. Yeah, I did it two thousand years ago, and I'm hoping you, my body, will do it again. Will still continue to be a part of of Christ and the legacy I left and the example yeah. that I that I hope you follow. That he wants to cancel sin. He wants to change people's hearts. That we all have some issues, some prejudiceness that he wants to eradicate from us. So search me, O oh God, yeah, and know me. And if there be any wicked way in me, oh Lord, you know, lead me, guide me in your truth. Yeah. And uh, not the media's truth, not what I think my political party has given me as truth, but Lord, your perspective from heaven that is truth. Your word, oh Lord, is truth. That's what he says. And so I think today we have an opportunity to uh, grow and extend in grace, grace to ourselves and then grace to others, grace to Mm -hmm. others who, who feel and think differently. Um, and create the, an experience for ourselves and for those around us, and especially for this next generation, that hopefully will be better than what we're experiencing today. Yeah. That somehow we could look at each other and not judge them by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Yeah. And that's what I hope my kids will do mm-hmm. because of the experiences they have, and that we can begin to see a change in the systems that hold back, um, that impoverish, that create cycles. Uh, that we can begin to see those things done better yeah. um, that begin to empower and elevate where yeah. it has pushed down and oppressed. So I, I hope that all of us will continue to grow in grace, especially as we go through this season. Uh, a vote is happening um, that is going to be monumental. We may not know the results for a, a number of weeks. I don't know how that's going to work with mail-in ballots yeah. and, and, and all of that. And But regardless... How can we, how can we help fulfill the prayer of Jesus? God, make them one as you and I are one. I want to leave with this analogy. Uh, and it's not much of an analogy because it really happened. Um, we went to see um, Marvel's Endgame, which is the last set of the 
basically the Avengers. Um, it's packed, which is like I would do anything to be in a packed theater right now. <laughs> like I would, I would pay, I'd pay a lot of money to be in a packed theater with a bunch of people that were COVID free. Um, <laughs> it's weird I have to even say that, but um, so we're seeing the Avengers and uh, the. People, the group I was with, um, I'm with two different sides of people. I'm with like a bunch of like ministry friends from through Young Life, and then just a bunch of family friends. We've taken up this whole row because I got there two and a half or, or hours early to get those seats. Um, <clears throat> and so this side didn't really like Black Panther. They thought it was overrated. Um, you know, you name it. Thought oh, it didn't deserve to get the praise it got, uh, even though whatever. We don't have to get into it. Everyone feels a certain way about it. And then the other side that didn't care. We're going to talk about this side. So behind us is an entire row of black people. And Black Panther's are idol. I mean, they're wearing stuff. They're before they're doing the Ibambe chant, like before the movie even starts. And there's a point in the movie where um, he comes out of this portal and they go ballistic. They go nuts. Like, yes, yes, yes. And they're just so excited because it's the first time he's been on screen this entire movie. Yeah. And they knew it was going to happen, but they were like, and now like they cheered with them. And I'm like, that's so cool that you're sharing the excitement with someone else who's being represented on screen. Yeah. Um, because I, I thought, I thought they didn't like him. And for me, I'm just sitting in the middle like, eh, you know, I'm empathetic. I feel both sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just so cool. And that's like what we talk about. We talk about that road that just went ballistic in the movie mm. and that made the atmosphere like so much better because they weren't, you know, they weren't afraid to talk. You know, people in movies sometimes, you know, they just want to quiet. Yeah, yeah. And don't you think, talk to me. Don't look yeah, at me. don't talk, you know, but they just went nuts That's like awesome. like the, the the screen was going to react to it yeah and it was so cool and so Love for it. that is just like hopefully one day we're in a movie theater together but um regardless you know you're always going to sit next to someone different um yeah. and sometimes it's really fun to not cancel and not quiet and share the excitement or share with them part of who they are and their story regardless. so good so. Even if it's a different response than you grew up giving yeah. to that type of experience, yeah. it's okay to accept someone else's response. Yeah. It looks different. And it's cool to see, it was cool for them to see like, yeah, you may have not liked it because you were white and you thought it was overrated because you have all these other movies that were written better. But look what it mean, means to sure. them. Look what it means to them. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, rejoice with those who are rejoicing and mourn with those who are mourning. Um, and that's what that's what we're called to enter into as we relate to one another. Um, and that's what leads to us growing in grace and building bridges, which mm-hmm. is what Jesus has called us to do today. Yep. And so with that being said, we hope folks will reach out to us. We're probably going to get more emails than ever after this one <laughs> drops. So, so. so coffee convos podcast at gmail.com. That's coffee convos, C-O-N-V-O-S podcast at gmail.com. And we want to thank, oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Uh but just we want to thank Brent Coffee too, as always. Thank you for the wonderful Yergachev Ethiopian drip. (laughs) Um, Michael thinks it sounds Russian, but it's from Ethiopia. Uh, Be on the lookout. They're selling merchandise right now. Selling selling t-shirts on Instagram. So we'll link that below. They only got seven days left. It'll actually, now I'm saying that, by the time this goes live, that won't matter. But still look them up. Get some merch. Get some coffee. Go visit them. But... Boom. Boom. Until next time. Cheers.